0: What do you do when you've been leading a successful mission-driven business for years and then one day the world changes and it seemingly vanishes overnight? That happened to today's guest in just the last month. On this Saturday cast, Elizabeth Lilla on how she's led her team through massive change. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 463. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. You've heard many times on the show before the importance of leadership as a function of leading Change. Leadership is, of course, about change, and this is our monthly Saturday cast. Uh, The Saturday cast uh, we air just about once a month to feature one of the stories from a listener, one of our academy members, and today a story about change. And of course, we are in the midst of change. So many of us, really everywhere around the globe, of handling the crisis with the pandemic, and it has affected so many, including. Our guest today. I am really glad to welcome to the show today, Elizabeth Lilla. She is the owner of Metro Star Gymnastics. Her husband, Eric, and her have owned and operated their gyms for 13 years. She has been named the Nebraska Occupational Therapy Association's Practitioner of the Year for developing the Special Stars program at her facilities. She has previously served as the USA Gymnastics Nebraska State Chair and loves sharing the sport of gymnastics with boys and girls of all ages. She is also a member of the Coaching for Leaders Academy. Liz, I am so glad to have you on the show. Thank you for
1: having me. I'm excited.
0: Well, I am excited too. You know, we find ourselves in this really interesting time, and I'm so curious to be able to hear more about your story and to share some of what's happened in the last month or two, because so many in our audience, like you, are leading and in your case, owning a small business and have really had to change a lot of things. But before we dive in on that, I'm wondering maybe if you could tell me about how the story started of how you and Eric first founded the gym.
1: Absolutely. So, I was a gymnast when I was young. I wouldn't say I was the highest level gymnast or the most successful, but I loved the sport. And as I got a little bit older in high school, I decided to start coaching. And then I coached all through college as well. I never really looked at coaching as a career, but In college, my husband called about halfway through my college career and said, I want to open a gym. I told him he had lost his mind and that (laughs) we had a different plan. And why on earth would he want to open a gym? But we started dreaming and we started thinking about it. And we tried some different things. We thought, gosh, how could we get started on a very small scale? And so we finally just took the plunge and we rented out a 1,200 square foot space in a strip mall. And with a budget of about $8,000 and this tiny little space, we went for it. We went to an auction, a high school or a public school auction, and we bought a balance beam for $5 and some mats. Uh, I think we spent a total of $50 at the auction. Wow. And so it was, we, we had about 50 friends that said, if you open a gym, we'll sign our kids up. And when that doors actually opened, we had five, uh, five students enrolled and we were kind of freaking out because that wasn't going to pay the bills in any way. Yeah. But one kid at a time, we just, we did everything. We coached all the classes. We made the forms. We kind of made a rudimentary website. We did all of the leasehold improvements ourselves. So we were mudding walls on Christmas Eve and just kind of made it happen, uh, whatever needed to be done. So after about 18 months, we actually had an opt-out in our lease. The landlord thought it was for failure, that if after 18 months we were you know, not able to make it, that he would let us out of the lease. And our vision was, oh, we want to have more space. And so at 18 months, we felt ready to go and we moved into a space that was 9,000 square feet. Wow. That was a huge move. We thought, oh my gosh, we have really made it. We have reached our goals and look at this giant gym we have and this is going to be perfect. And over time, we just kept growing. And the building we were in, we were very fortunate because there was room to grow. So we expanded into two more bays, and things were going pretty good we got up to in that space, about 2,000 kids were coming through there. And it was very clear we were out of room at that point. And so we ended up building another, a second facility. So our current state is that we are in two buildings. They're about 18,000 square feet each, and we have roughly 3,000 families that come and see us.
0: It's it's an incredible success story any way you look at it both as a business but also more importantly the heart I know you have for serving kids and families and up until about a month ago it was just a wonderful amazing story and then of course things have changed and we are recording and airing this in April 2020 so this all really started to change about a month ago in early March I'm wondering what was the first moment that you Recall having the thought, oh, wow, this virus might really have a big impact on the business.
1: Well, about two weeks before we actually had to close our facility, my husband had come to our leadership meeting and said, Hey, guys, I want to talk about what would happen if we would have to close due to this virus. And in Nebraska, we feel a little bit isolated sometimes. Things happen on the coast, but it doesn't always affect us in the middle of the United States. And so those of us in the leadership meeting, we kind of listened, but it was, there was a lot of conflict in that meeting because people said, oh, well, you'd have to pay all your staff. And we were like, oh, okay, how are we going to do that? And and it started to get tense. And so we actually decided to table the discussion and talk about it later. Well, it was amazing how much changed in that two-week time period because everything became very real, very fast. And probably for me, it was one night watching the news and they announced the first case actually in Omaha. And at that time, I knew that everything was going to change.
0: What did change after that?
1: That period was very difficult for me because we were being asked to make incredibly difficult decisions with limited information. And it felt like every hour things were changing. And so, of course, at first we tried, well, we're just going to limit our classes and make sure we're cleaning the facility. And we put a sign up that every child needs to wash their hands. And, but it, within hours, that changed to, oh, we aren't going to be able to hold classes anymore. And so it was this constant stream of information coming in and also trying to make these really devastating decisions for our business.
0: And for those who have never been in a gymnastics facility, really the entire business is built around in-person coaching, classes, one-on-one of people being physically present. And uh, at some point, the order came from the state. I'm sure that the facility couldn't operate even if you had wanted to, which I know you wouldn't have because you wouldn't want to put kids in danger. But there wasn't even the option to continue the business to be open.
1: Right. For a while, there was an idea that you could have less than 10 children in the building, and, and that was on the table as an option. But really, with my background in the healthcare field, I knew that that wasn't actually an option. And so it was tough because on one hand, you had customers saying, oh, you're overreacting. This is no big deal. We just have to keep washing our hands. And then we would get an email an hour later saying i can't believe you're considering keeping your doors open you're you know you're going to devastate us all and so i think that balance was really hard trying to figure out what is the right thing in a situation where i honestly believe there was no right answer
0: yeah and it and it's apparent now 30 days later like that obviously what you did was the right decision to close but it was not apparent 30 days ago there was a lot of back and forth and there's even places in the states Today, as we're recording this, where that is sadly not the apparent decision. I'm curious what you said a minute ago that leadership meeting that never really got finished of, okay, if we have to close, what are we going to do? What happened? What did you decide to do once the facility did close with staff and with families and kids?
1: Yeah, that was incredibly difficult. So we have about 100 employees. We have a wide range of employees. We have some who work just a few hours a week and they're high school students. All the way up to this is their career and they are parents and they are responsible and the breadwinners of their family. So we knew we couldn't just let everybody go and sit at home. That wasn't an option for us. So we met with our staff and unfortunately did have to let our part-time staff know that we would have no hours for them. Their job is literally to be hands-on with kids and obviously we cannot be hands-on during this time. But our full-time staff, we said that we would commit to paying for their income as long as we could. So we did we do have some savings and we did some back of the napkin math and figured out we could pay them through the middle of September. And then, if we reduced some hours and made some changes, it's possible we could get through November.
0: That's a huge commitment for you and Eric to have made to do that with, if I understand correctly, basically no revenue coming in, or at least with the projection that no revenue would be coming in, right?
1: That's correct. Yep.
0: Wow. So, when you decided to do that, and then thinking of what do we do the next morning, where did you start?
1: Yeah, that was, uh, there was not really a next morning because I'm not sure I slept that night. (laughs) Um, Of course, morning came, but my brain just started thinking. And the idea was, one, how can we serve these kids? So my kids, I have four children of my own, and all of their activities have stopped. There's no school, there's no sports practices, there's no interaction with other kids. So my first thought was, how can we still offer our services during this time? And then, of course, my second thought was, how can my staff be involved so that we have some sort of revenue that we can pay them longer? So if this does go on for months, our runway gets extended. So my brain started really kind of going through these ideas. And I was, of course, online at this time as well. And many places were talking about online learning and using Zoom calls. And my original instinct was that's impossible. This is gymnastics. How are they going to do with the bounce beam and the bars and the vault during this time? But we decided there is a way. And so we looked at our current structure and our curriculum. And is there anything within our curriculum that kids could be doing at home? And really, it's probably about half, about 50% of the lesson plans can be done in a living room space or in a backyard. Wow. Yeah. So we started looking at what are our options here. And this is where I believe our partnership between my husband and I in our business really came out. You know, people ask all the time, how can you work with your husband? (laughs) Um, They'll say, "I, I would kill my husband if we worked together. But we've been partners. For a very, very long time, and we know when to give and when to take. And so my husband came to me and he said, "I will have our family and our home a hundred percent, and you just focus on what needs to be done for our business." And that was the best gift he could give me because he knew that my my mind was trying to sort all of this out, but trying to balance that with being a mom was really, really hard those days. And so he. He gave me that gift of being confident that they were taken care of. And so I went into my office and I sat down and said, how are we going to make this happen and what tools are at my disposal?
0: Yeah, I was curious how this, I mean, this really was an innovation process. I don't. Had you ever done any online learning before anything like this prior to a few weeks ago?
1: No, other than our Coaching for Leaders meetings in the academy. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, of
0: course. Yeah, so I mean, this was totally new. And I'm sort of curious, where did you start just sitting down and thinking, okay, maybe we could do this online. Maybe there's half of the curriculum we could do. What happened first?
1: What happened first was adapting my lesson plan. So I thought, (laughs) if I have to teach a gymnastics class in my living room, what would it look like? So I took my lesson plan and I just started scribbling and trying to figure things out and then i asked my children to participate and so i taught them a few things in the living room to figure out if it would work and i felt like yeah this is going to work and so then our first experiment was actually we have a a phone system that you can do video calls and it's interesting because we just got this phone system a few months ago so i thought well maybe that will work and so i had a friend here in town, actually. And I called her up and I said, would you hop on this phone call with me and see if if it even works? And so we started experimenting with that and realized it was a little complicated for what we wanted to do. And so then I said, well, Zoom is free, right? You can do some meetings for free. So I hopped on a Zoom call and then started experimenting with that. And so then my plan was to try to solve as many problems as I could for my staff so that I could present a plan to them because things were so scary. You know, we had told them we would pay them, but we also told them we have a limited amount of money. And everyone's just, there's a lot of anxiety right now. I didn't want to bring something to them until I had worked out the bugs. So I, I kept going. I did probably six different practice classes, including with your kids that hopped on a practice call. We did. and
0: <laughs> it, it was a blast.
1: <laughs> exactly. And we, we realized, gosh, you know, this really opens up a new possibility for us because the kids don't have to be in the gym and we can still connect with them. So we, we had all different ideas. And to be honest, there's 50 different ways that we could actually solve this problem. And that was struggle of mine to begin with. Because when you have so many ideas coming in, you almost feel paralyzed of which idea is right. And if I pick the wrong path, am I going to mess this up? And I finally decided, I'm just going to do it my way. (laughs) And it may not be the best, but it's my way. And at the end, I'm going to feel confident that I did my best in that situation. And so I You know, used Zoom. And then we also have a class management software program that we use and kind of combined those two systems and manipulated them into doing an online offering.
0: How did this work with your staff as you started to think about structure and video and using Zoom, which no one, I'm sure, was ever thinking about that would be part of their job working at your gymnasium? How did that go? Like, what did people say?
1: You know, overall, they were awesome. I was, I really was asking them to come out of their comfort zone. You know, it's one thing to teach a group of eight, six year olds in front of you, it's another to be on a camera and trying to do a whole new system on the fly. And so I just encouraged them. I said, I just want you to try it. Just do your best. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and we'll delete the video and no one has to see it, but I want you to try. And so we made kind of a, a sample schedule using Google Sheets and everybody shared it with each other. And then people just signed up into different slots. And I asked each of them to commit to one class a week to start out with. I said, just, just try it. And they said, okay. And they jumped in and they had just really great ideas. And it was fun to see the collaboration of you know, how can we think of this differently and what could we use this for? And, and that's when it really started innovating because we thought, well, even when this is done, this material is really useful. We have parents ask us all the time, how can my child work on this at home? And we would always have an answer of, oh, they should do this exercise or that exercise. But now we're really giving them a tool to be doing this at home and guiding the learning
0: it's amazing. And I'm really interested, too, in how customers responded to this. And if I'm recalling, you introduced this first as, hey, let's try this out for a week of whoever wants to jump in just for free uh, and your customers. And, and by the way, your customers weren't going to be paying going forward as far as like when the gym was closed, so all the revenue was, was going away. And so how did you decide to roll this out?
1: So I actually wrote a letter to all of my customers because the thing is with having two facilities, not a lot of people know me personally at this time. And so I needed to share with them a little bit of our history of um, what we have built. We built this really from nothing. And it was just a dream of two kids at the time. And I needed even just for me personally to share with them that this virus is hitting all of us in lots of different ways. And that I wanted to extend some grace. We knew that for some of our customers, they really couldn't pay their tuition next month. And the thing is, we aren't providing the service that we agreed to provide when they signed up with us. So we did make the difficult decision to not have any further charges on anyone's account. And then we introduced this idea of these online classes and opened it up to all of them for a little over a week and said, just try them out. Take as many classes as you want. They're taught by coaches that you do know. And how can we, you know, provide something for your kids during this time? And one of the things we did too is that classes are live. So I think that does give a sense of normalcy to our kids. You know, if class is at four o'clock, they need to go get their leotard on and get their water bottle and prepare themselves and be ready to go right at four o'clock. Whereas I know in our household, the schedule is a little off right now because we can sleep in and we're home all hours of the day. So it provided some normalcy so that the families could hop on, try out a class or two and see if they liked it. And then after that time, we rolled out a payment program. So we did $25 for two weeks or $40 for the whole month. And they can take as many of our online classes as they want to.
0: Yeah. And what you just said really reminded me of my experience and our kids. I think it was on a Saturday morning, we did the test class with you. And I remember getting the email and said, okay, get your clothes, get your gym clothes on, get your water bottles ready. And I was like, oh, she's serious. <laughs> like, this is really like, I've got to get the kids ready. And it was good. Like, we, we were just sitting around that Saturday morning, like we've been on Saturday mornings, of course. And we were in the front of the house. We got our little gymnasium area set up. And it was super cool to see, you know, your daughter doing the, the, the demonstrations. And it was really fun. What was it like when you offered the classes for free? And what happened? Did customers show up? How did it go?
1: So I was really nervous. Here, I I'd, I'd kind of put it all out on the line. I'd done a lot of work, staying up late. And a lot of this was just figuring out logistics. You know, how does someone sign up? And then how do they get the link? And how do we email a group all at the same time? And all of these things that we wanted to happen seamlessly, but yet this has never been done before. I joked with someone that it's like, a startup company that we wrote the business plan and the financial plan and beta tested it and then launched it in about three days. Yeah. So it was it was kind of just a difficult to solve all of those problems in my head. But yeah, it, it went well. And so then I, I pulled up the calendar of events to see if anyone had enrolled and it was like a celebration every time someone enrolled. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, three more. Oh, five more. And uh, my husband eventually was like, can we just eat dinner? <laughs> 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 like, quit checking the calendar. And and now it's really fun because I, I actually just looked at our classes for this afternoon and we reached a, a high of, I think there were 36 enrolled in our class this afternoon. So. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, people are enjoying it and they're I think it's that sense of connection we're all missing a little bit of that right now. It's it's hard to connect when we can't see one another and so this is providing like I said some of that normalcy and some of that connection. Now we did realize you know and got some feedback that not everybody is available on a certain day at a certain time. You know, I know my kids are doing some online learning and they have certain classes. They have to be there right at a certain time. Right. So we, the next stage of this is we did develop a library. So now all of those customers who signed up for Metro Stars Online can access our online library and they click on a video and then enter a code and they can watch those classes on demand when they, they need to. But I do think there's still something to be said for that live class.
0: Well, and it really speaks to the power of relationships and connection, as we've talked about many times in our academy conversations and on the show, of course, that it's often the coaches that the kids know and already have had relationships with and each other. And so it's a continuation of obviously we're all navigating this in all of our situations right now with kids, but it really helps kids to stay connected, not just for the physical well being. But I know one of the things I, I love about you and your work is that. You are so focused on the child as a whole person and the emotional development. And, you know, the, the competitions and things like that are, are wonderful, but that's not the focus of your work. It is the how do we really develop kids to have a love and a desire physically, mentally, emotionally, all those things to develop. And it, it's, it's such a great extension of that.
1: Absolutely. You know, I think it comes back to my occupational therapy background. And we talk a lot about being holistic, that our health is not just being strong or being able to do fancy tricks and gymnastics, that a lot of it is mental as well. And that emotional health is so important, especially right now. Kids are resilient, but sometimes, you know, we're asking a lot of them right now. We're asking them to not see their friends, not go to school, not, you know, so many of these not that they can't have, that we need to find ways to give them what they can and trying to make that connection with them. I think also it was about the connection for my staff. So what do coaches do best? They coach. And I think a lot of them were feeling, myself included, a little lost those first few days. Like if I can't, do what I'm really passionate about Then, what is my purpose. And so we, we felt like was there an option to, to lay off our staff and allow them to collect unemployment? Yes, that absolutely was an option and it was actually recommended to me by quite a few colleagues that I have. And I just felt like by us getting together and solving this problem as a group, we're also building that emotional connection and our and feeling purposeful and a reason for getting up each day. And I think that's really important during this time.
0: It's amazing that you and Eric have made the commitment, like you said, you didn't have to, to continue to pay for salaries and keep folks going. And I know many gyms have made a different decision. They have closed entirely and laid people off and are asking people to you know, file for unemployment, which which is not necessarily the wrong decision, right? For other organizations. Correct. Yeah. But... I think even as important, if not maybe more so right now, your staff has agency and they have the ability to give back and to do the work. And like emotional and mental health is so important. And they're building something, they're doing something, they're coaching. Like you said, it's it's just really, I mean, watching from afar and having talked to you over the last few weeks, it's just really amazing to me what you have done through this it is I'm just so impressed in so many ways of how you've you've taken a a virtually impossible situation and turned it around in such a way that has given back to kids and you and staff, and it's just it's just really incredible. And your customers have responded too. How many folks have have signed up for the uh, the the program now and now that it's a, a paid online membership?
1: Sure. We're at about one hundred and thirty. Wow. Um, customers right now. so <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny because when you do build a business, I remember when we first opened our doors, we made a goal to have 50 customers. And when we got 50 people signed up, we were going to go out to dinner. Oh, like, wow. That was our prize. <laughs> and so it kind of feels in a way like we're back in that stage of owning a business. And while it can feel a little bit overwhelming because you feel like gosh but I've worked so hard to get to this point and now I'm starting over it's also kind of exciting because that excitement of the startup phase I'm getting to feel it all over again which you know I don't know that I would have chosen to do that because it's scary and overwhelming but now that I'm in it it's like well this is kind of cool and we are excited about every single enrollment that's coming through and seeing the support we're getting is just incredible.
0: I think one of your Academy colleagues mentioned the other day that just seeing you go through this this journey, like you said, like none of us would have chosen this, right? But here it is. And going through this journey over the last few weeks and now having seen where this may go, just seeing you now broadening your perspective like, oh, wow, like we could take our mission and also the access that a lot of Folks in places in the world or inner cities that don't necessarily have the access to the wonderful programs that are available in person. Like there's, there's even potentially more from a mission standpoint that the business could do now to reach kids that you normally would not be able to reach. And I just think that's super, super cool to see how your your mind has expanded. Of just like what's the possibility of doing more with this?
1: Yeah, I, I think the the phrase is was it necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, indeed. I think we didn't even realize that these things are options and putting this problem, it it feels like the most quintessential group exercise that you do with your staff. Like, okay, you have no equipment and no time and no money. How would you coach? And then they have <laughs> right. to solve it. And the ingenuity that has come out of this is so exciting to see my staff members working together and Some of the things they're doing are not necessarily for our online program, but making videos just to connect with our kids and, you know, have their faces out in the community has just been a joy to watch. It's really exciting. And it makes me realize we have so many assets in our company that we just have to tap into. We all do. All of our jobs have areas of strength that maybe we take for granted. And then when we're hit with a situation like this, we recognize, gosh, let's build on that strength a little bit more and how could we use it differently?
0: I have two wishes coming out of this conversation for our audience. Uh, One of them is just the wish of hope right now, especially those listening who are in a situation like you, Liz, where their business has basically been shut down because of this. And not that The journey is going to be the same for everyone and not that it's not a horrible situation because of course it is. And in the midst of that, that there's hope, that there's other ways to think about problems. And I I do hope and wish that this is an invitation for folks to think like, okay, what could we do? What could we do in the midst of this really challenging situation that we may never have done before? And then secondly. If you have kids at home and they want to learn gymnastics, here's your chance <laughs> right now. So I've set up a link right to the online program that Liz and her team have put together. It's at coachingforleaders.com slash gymnastics. Because of course, the reason you listen to Coaching for Leaders is to find out about gymnastics for kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. It's the go-to spot. <laughs>
0: right, on the internet. But in, in all seriousness, I just I think it would be fun if we had parents from all over who are looking for some wonderful activities for kids, as we all are right now, to do something positive, to get moving in their houses. And if that's of interest to you, go check it out, coachingforleaders.com slash gymnastics. I think it would be so much fun to see our community come together. And for those who are, who are interested to, to jump into, Liz, before I let you go, you know that I often ask at the end of episodes what folks have changed their minds on as you've been on this journey, not only through the Academy, but even this last month, especially, what have you changed your mind on in your work?
1: I love this question. And I love every time you ask someone this question, I'm always so curious what they're going to say. Because I think it demonstrates that we can all grow and change. And so I think the thing that I've changed my mind on is that Being a leader is less about having the right answer and more about making the best decision you can given the circumstances. So I thought I'd read all the books. I thought I had to read all of the books and try all of these techniques and hone my skill just right. But through this, I've learned you just have to go for it and do your best and that those leadership skills will follow.
0: Elizabeth Lilla is the owner of Metro Star Gymnastics. Liz. Thank you so much for the inspiration.
1: Thank you, Dave. This was just awesome.
0: It's been a recent topic of conversation in our academy sessions that when a crisis like this happens, it really does separate who is ready to lead and who is not. You're going to see people hide and you're going to see people show up at this time. Now, Some people don't have the ability or the resources to be able to show up right now. But if you do, I invite you to take Liz's example and feel the fear, but do it anyway. Thank you so much, Liz, for being an example for all of us at a difficult time. I'd invite you also to investigate some of the related episodes if this conversation got you thinking about what's next for you and your organization, whether it's a small business or a nonprofit or perhaps you find yourself leading a team in a large organization that now needs to think about how you do things differently. One of the episodes I'd invite you to consider is episode 238 How to Be a Nonconformist. My guest was Adam Grant on that episode. Adam Grant, professor at Wharton, author of a number of best selling books, uh, including his book on originals. And he talks in that book about some of the research around entrepreneurs and who does an effective job at being able to bring about great change in the world and to have successful and sustainable ideas. And it turns out it's not generally the people who make big bets on one thing. It's the people who have options, who test things, who try things out. Episode 238 is a great inspiration for that. I'd also invite you to listen to episode 430 How to start seeing around corners with Rita McGrath uh, one of the things I found myself saying out loud a whole bunch of times the last few weeks is wow, you know nobody saw this coming and of course that's not true either really A number of people saw this coming. in fact, many government leaders have been warning about a global pandemic for many years. they we didn't necessarily see, this one coming at this moment, but so many have seen that coming. And every time something like this happens, you see the people who were on the edges, who were seen around the corners. And in episode 430, Rita McGrath teaches us how we can become the leaders that start to see around corners and some of the practices for doing that. One of those people is former National Security Advisor Susan Rice. Her team was very worried about this very thing during the Obama administration, put a ton of frameworks in place to help support at least the United States to respond effectively. Sadly, a lot of those were dismantled after she left her position. But she talks about her experience as National Security Advisor and former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations in episode 436, our topic with Ambassador Rice was how to be diplomatic, a good inspiration for you if you're looking for a little bit more diplomacy in a difficult time. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 460, The Power of Why Over How with Gina Bianchini. Gina is the founder and CEO of Mighty Networks, another organization with a powerful, strong mission behind it. And because they've been so strong on their mission for so many years, they have weathered A number of storms changing technology and today are now positioned to really power so many online communities, especially at this time of change, they power our online community for our Academy members as well. Episode 460 is a great place to go if you're thinking about mission, just like Elizabeth is in her organization, how to serve kids, how to serve families, how to take care of her staff well those things are front and center for so many effective leaders and so much more of that also you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website if you go over to coachingforleaders.com you can set up your free membership when you do you'll be able to access all of the past episodes searchable by topic including all of our past saturday casts featuring the stories of our listeners and academy members And one of the things that I feel so passionate about is not us just hearing from the researchers and the experts and the authors and the consultants and the coaches, all of those folks we need to hear from, and we also need to hear from everyday leaders like you and me and so many people who are leading organizations of all sizes. Those are the folks you'll hear about on the Saturday cast. You can search for the Saturday cast inside the coachingforleaders.com free membership. It also gives you access to all of my book notes, the weekly leadership guide, and tons more resources there. Set up your free membership and you'll be off and running in about 30 seconds. Have a great weekend and see you on Monday for How to Balance Care and Accountability. Take care.